0: Your ten-foot pole is broken, you've lost your fifty feet of rope, and you're down to your last torch. Its guttering light shows your footprints in the muck of the dungeon floor behind you, and disappears into the ominous darkness ahead. Loot or no loot, you just don't have the resources to make it much farther. You hear the scraping of long claws on rough stone, and out of the darkness it appears. A nightmarish fusion of human and spider, six feet tall and easily 200 pounds. Long, gangly limbs hang from hunched shoulders over a pale potbelly. Its needle-sharp teeth are hidden behind grasping, glistening, fanged appendages on its face. As its beady eyes meet yours, its mouth opens in a nightmare smile. In a raspy voice, it says, Oh, jolly good, sir. You've wandered right into my web. Like, what ho? (laughs) Welcome back to Spooktober on making a monster. In this, the most monster-filled month of the year, I'm bringing you episodes with the monster creators I met at Gen Con 2022, leading up to a couple of Halloween episodes I'm really excited to share with you. It has been the contention of this show that monsters don't level up. After all, that's what heroes do. Gaining experience, abilities, and tactics is the defining element of player characters in role-playing games, and monsters are the static stepping stones that let characters reach those new heights. And in that role, in this archetypical story structure, monsters do and don't do very specific things. Occasionally, though, I meet designers whose monsters are stories that grow in the telling.
1: I am Dylan Olney. Uh, I am the creative director, founder, writer of Critical Crafting. And we put out 5e content every single month uh, on Patreon, normally between 50 and 80 pages of everything from adventures, encounters, monsters, classes,
2: subclasses, items, spells, maps. And I'm Cameron DeFord. I am the uh, co-writer and marketing director of Critical Crafting. Dylan focuses more on the monsters and the items, spells, feats, that side of thing. Um, I do our subclasses, our classes, our player races, and maps. We started playing back in 2017 maybe? 16, 17. Um, Dylan was teaching most of us in our group for the first time how to play D&D, so we would play our D&D games at Dylan's house, we would play for four hours or so, and then the game would wrap up, we'd go upstairs, and we'd get stalled in the kitchen while we're talking about the game we just played. And we'd finally wrap up the conversation, we'd move to the driveway, we'd get talking again. So, a lot of our stuff was just, the the early ideas of our content was just coming out of, these. said, oh, it, that was really cool, but it would have been cool if this, or if that. So, old Shep Cap, he's our
1: mascot, The original idea from him actually came from um, an old meme. People were making fun of the fact that, uh, you know, 3-5, Ettercap spoke common.
0: In the lore of Dungeons & Dragons, an Ettercap is a spider-like humanoid that lives underground and cooperates with other spider creatures to set elaborate web traps for passing adventurers. First edition D&D in 1981's Fiend Folio gave this description. A biped, roughly man-sized, with very long arms, protruding pot belly, short legs, and hairy skin, the Edercap has clawed hands and two poison fangs protruding from each side of its mouth. Okay, apparently it protrudes a lot. In subsequent editions, Ettercaps became more and more like the spiders they befriended, gaining eyes, pedipalps, and fearsome claws as they went. But they have always been presented, as in the Fiend folio, as cruel, cunning, and treacherous. Now, representing intelligence in game mechanics is notoriously difficult, and entercaps have always fallen in that especially problematic range between what 2nd edition called average human intelligence, and semi-intelligent. In 2003, Monster Manual 3.5 solved this problem by giving Ettercaps the ability to speak common, the language shared by all player characters. This decision has not been repeated in any other edition of D&D.
1: And people were joking around like, you know, oh, jolly good sir, you've wandered right into my web. Like what ho, kind of a thing. Like here's this Ettercap, you know. And we thought, that's hilarious, like that's so much fun. And so I started introducing Old Chap Ettercap, and what would happen is, when the players were in like a bind, like they're in the middle of a dungeon, they're low on potions or whatever, like they're all kind of like about to die kind of a thing, well, Old Chap Ettercap would wander into the room with his, you know, top hat that has a whole plane of existence inside full of magical items and his shop and all this, and it was a, you know, oh, tally ho, boys, like what's going on with you sort of thing. I'm just wandering through this dungeon selling my wares, because where do you sell magical items? In a dungeon. That's where people need them most. Uh, so that was kind of the idea. And then he would do things like, you know, instead of just, oh, yeah, you buy the stuff because the DM wants you to, like, not die here. It was more like he could give you fun little side quests or it could be a fun break from, like, some of the serious stuff in the campaign. And that's kind of where he started initially. Um, and then we decided to, to make him into, like, an NPC, Uh, in some of our adventures for our critical crafting content and eventually we said we gotta stat him and when when we decided to stat him the month that people had voted on was called cults of the outsiders and the outsiders are our gods kind of a thing so we made them to exist in any pantheon that you want they can still exist in it because they exist in their own little sort of pantheon but we didn't like that 5e did not have stat blocks for gods other than tiamat and technically like Vecna now, um, but Tiamat, we've always found very lackluster as a stat block, and we wanted god stat blocks that felt like they were gods. So we said, well, if we're gonna do a god stat block, who better than old Sap Edercat to make, you know, the god of merchants? Um, so that was kind of how he got started.
2: The whole fact that his, like, Genesis was around the idea of him just being able to show up at the right place at the right time and help the players out of a bind. Um, the Inside the hat, he has the store, and inside the store, you can find magical items you might need, but they're very expensive. So he's going to send you on a quest instead, and working it right into the, the story in an organic way. Um, but so with that being the, the concept behind him, um, we just think, okay, well, if, if he is a god, who's going to worship him? Okay, so he's the patron saint of merchants, of 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 innkeepers, of anybody that's working in that sort of environment.
1: And then we wrote the the Warlock subclass around the fact that, you know, he's the patron of merchants. He has the the old sports society, which are the people that worship him, essentially. And those are all the guys sitting in the smoking room drinking scotch and, you know, uh, taking over the world with their words or whatever kind of a deal. Um, so, Cameron wrote the, the subclass for the warlock for people that worship old chap and kind of the abilities that they get. Um, so, and we wanted to give, like, we did stat blocks too for, for his minions, the, the old sports society, and we had wanted to figure out a way, like, the other problem we had because we have some morally ambiguous characters is they come to the shop, what's the first thing that they try and do? They try and rob the shopkeep, right? We said well we want to make sure that we're making something that makes sure that they don't want to rob every shopkeep they see so if you mess around with one of the shopkeeps that worships old chap Edercap, you can expect that you're going to be in some trouble pretty soon whether it's old chap showing up or the merchant you know old sports society coming after you or just the fact that the merchants themselves have special abilities that can like basically knock people unconscious hold them in place uh, they know the location of, like, every item they own. If it's stolen, they know who stole it and where it is kind of a thing. So that's kind of some of his domain-y stuff, I guess. He's really not supposed to be used in combat, uh, but he does have some, some combat special abilities, right? So um, some of them are kind of funny. I think he's got, like, <laughs> what who unhand me or something as one of his. And it's something, I can't remember the exact wording of it, but... Essentially he can like teleport, so, you know, you grab the old chap at the shopkeep, you're trying to rob him or whatever, and he just, oh, you're grappling me? No, you're not anymore, I just teleported over here kind of a thing. Um, So he's got a lot of special abilities though, he's got, uh, you know, like we said, he's got his top hat that has an extra dimensional space inside of it, it's basically a whole plane of existence. That's all made of interconnecting rooms. So he's got uh, his shop kind of on the main area, but then he's got libraries and bestiaries and tea rooms and rooms that he's forgotten for so long that people who've been in there have formed civilizations and he's completely forgot they exist, you know, all inside of the top app. Uh, and then we gave him like uh, a gold tooth that basically lets him take anything gold and if he touches it to the tooth, it like transports inside the tooth and then he can pull it out anytime he wants. Uh, We gave him some spells uh, and, like, appraisal things. So, like, being a god of merchants, we're like, what's he do all the time? He's going to be appraising stuff. He's going to be looking at magic items. So he has things that allow him to identify magical items just by looking at them. Uh, Probably his most powerful special ability is that he can just summon magical items at will of, I think it's very rare rarity and lower. So he can summon them at will, and he can attune to... Oh, I haven't read the stat block in a while. But it's something like 10 magic items at a time. So when he shows up, if you're going to mess with him, you're also going to mess with at least 10 very rare magical items that he can summon and attune to very, very quickly. so yeah and i think we made it so that he did not take a long rest to attune to things either so in the middle of combat he could just be like boop attune boop attune kind of a thing so the dm had a way uh to kind of be like okay the party's really you know messing him up or whatever i need to get him out of here well i'm gonna give him i don't know carpet of flying or whatnot and get him out kind of a deal uh we also gave him regenerative abilities because why not so he's a god so if he's if he's reduced to zero hit points Essentially, him and his top hat vanish, his top hat reappears in the nearest marketplace to him, and then he regenerates within a few feet of that top hat. So that was a fun one too.
0: (laughs) Old Chap Ettercap is a meme that went too far, or you know what, maybe just far enough. But it carries with it a certain satire of the age of the gentleman explorer that forms such an integral part of the DNA of role-playing games.
1: We kind of gave him that,
0: like, the old
1: british clubs right the portly men with the cigars and the scotch and all that and the whole idea being that there's these very affluent people that can kind of control whatever they want right uh, and so we kind of took that and ran with it and kind of made it into a bit of a farce he's a benevolent character but at the same time like one of the big things about him in our campaign is that he really doesn't understand how the common person operates so like when he sends an adventurer on a quest he'll be like hey you know oh what ho i just need you to go deal with a few like spiders that are in my you know shop like could you just clear them out for me and the ventures that are lower level go in there and there's like six bebeliths running around and they're like holy ca- we're all gonna die kind of thing and he's like i don't understand what the problem is like you know so we we kind of i don't know that we thought too much on like commerce as a whole with him being the god of it it was more we wanted to take something and kind of t- Take it, take it a little too far, right? Like take it and blow it out of proportion into sort of a funny, fun sort of a character.
2: Uh, he's been a lot of fun though, just because it, it's been interesting the fact that he originated in our actual home game, and I like I met him the first time as a player, and he was our our ticket out of dying or whatever. And um, then the it came at a cost. We had to go do a, a side quest to be able to earn what we needed to, from him or whatever. Uh, but so it's been cool now, like getting to flesh him out now on the other side the creative side um and then just yeah like the 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 cool thing that kind of came with it too was that once he was just an npc or a a monstrous npc or whatever and then seeing him grow into the the god that was like at first it was just almost a joke like oh well old child outer cap where would he get a a pocket universe inside of a top hat right like that's obviously something that only like a god would have so oh actually why isn't he a god let's make him a god and then so him growing into a god and then when we were for that same month needing a um a a player subclass and we thought oh well let's do a warlock patron because we're doing four gods this month like oh well why not have him be a a warlock patron and so the i don't know it's just been cool just to kind of see him yeah flesh out and grow into what he's become or whatever
1: so he started like Cameron was saying he started you know in our homebrew setting and we were playing 3.5 at the time, uh, and he didn't have any stats. Like, at that point, I was just like, I want a cool, like, you know, funny sort of old chap eddercap guy to throw in at my players, and, and it, was, it was a running joke too, because I, I love caps Like, that's one of the, I just, I don't know why, I just love them. And I always argued with another guy, because we were doing 3D sculpts, and he's like, nobody wants caps, Like, nobody likes caps. I'm like, but they're going to. Like, just wait. And so, you know, I'd wear, I'd, you know, back then I had a shirt that said, you know, old chap cap on it and everything. And uh, so he started out just, you know, no stats, just an NPC and then we, I guess we officially put him into content in October. So we stuck him in our first release, Unhallowed Eve, um, essentially, you know, not showing his divinity or anything like that. He's just an NPC that essentially he wanted uh, a, a, he wanted one of the grandmas that was handing out candy. There's like a trick or treat thing in the town. And his little, like, side quest is he wants the candy from this grandma, but since he's not a kid, she won't give it to him. And so he hires the adventurers to go pretend to be children in whatever way they can and go and get this candy, right, and bring it back to him. And, of course, he gives them, like, awesome stuff if they do it. Um, But – and the funny thing, too, with that is, like, he could totally do that. Like, he could get whatever he wants, but he just sort of has fun messing around with people all the time, right? So he did that, and then we put him in our May release – and that version, we put him in like old Jurassic Park kind of style or like a safari outfit. Uh, and we stuck him on an island. So we call that one Old Chef Edercap's Dino Safari. And essentially he's going on safari, but he's too lazy to hunt the dinosaurs himself. So he asked the adventurers to go do it for him so that he can mount them and claim that he, you know, well, he sponsored the hunt. So, you know, he's the one who did it. Uh, and he, he'll give them different stuff if they bring them back alive so he can put them in his like menagerie. Um or dead kind of a thing. Um so that one was fun. And then in June we're like, well we've done him twice, but we never gave him stats. It's time to finally stat him out.
2: It's been really cool too because the when we just played with him in our game as an NPC, we would just like theater a mind like going inside of his hat and what it looks like and stuff but when we then added him to the game we were like well we obviously need to make a map for it so we made a map that's just a a, a little tiny magic shop and when you w- go up to him you just kind of hop right into his hat and now you're in this shop and then as we've kind of like used him more we've like built off of that so um, we then updated the map to now there's a spiral staircase and he has a tavern upstairs with some beds so if you're in the middle of a dungeon and you need to crash somewhere slave, you can sleep here but it's going to cost you a lot of money so um we then like dylan said we used him for may for the dino safari so now there's an additional floor that has a, a basically like a, a monster menagerie inside with a little observation deck and then different Biomes where he can put his little dinos once you collect them. So it's been fun just from that standpoint too. Just the um, all the things that are, exist within this uh, this top hat. But um, kind of along a similar line though, when we were building, because he's so like far out there and just so like different. We wanted to reflect that in the subclass we did, and so we tried to to come up with similar things where uh, when you when you choose the subclass, when you make that pact with old chap, you select a hat, and so you pick a top hat or a bowler, or we had a third hat, uh, maybe like a tricorn or something. But anyway, so you you pick you pick one of three hats, and now that becomes your your old chap hat. And so right at first level, it, inside of it, it exists like a a two. A two by two by two cubic foot of, of like just a pocket universe and so you can just store little things in there and as you advance throughout the class it gets bigger and bigger and bigger just to emulate you becoming a, a follower of his and um, an ability where you can spend a, uh, I think an hour observing an inn or a tavern and uh, you basically essentially attune yourself to this this physical location and once you've done that um, you have advantage on any charisma check with uh, the owner, the proprietor of that location so if you're trying to gather intel, if you're trying to, you're trying to haggle on getting room prices from a place. Um, you also then, while you're tuned to it, you always uh, magically know the location of that place as long as you're within a thousand feet of it, or a thousand miles of it, or whatever. So we, we came up with ways where it's like. Warlocks are always seen as just this Eldritch Blast, rinse, wash, and repeat. So let's take some really far-out-there ideas and inject it into it. So that's been really fun, too. Monsters
0: grow in the telling, and the space where that narrative growth overlaps with the mechanics of the game is the unique joy of tabletop RPGs, for its players and for me as a monster journalist. So thanks for listening to Making a Monster. If you want to fill your game with charmingly lazy merchant spider kings, you can get Old Chap Ettercap in every form a tabletop needs, courtesy of Critical Crafting.
1: We actually still have our freebie up on our website, Uh, so if you go to the website you can get the free STL for him, as well as his free uh, NPC card. So that has like some lore, like role-playing tips and stuff, and the art of him on it, and then there's also a map of uh, one of his top hat rooms. Uh, So you can get that for free on the website. Uh, If you want more than that, obviously, you can check us out on Patreon. We have over 700 pages now. It's all backlogged, so if you become a patron, you get access to all of that. Uh, so we're on Patreon under Critical Crafting and Old Chap and a whole bunch of other monsters are in there.
2: For the store with the Old Chap under Cap welcome pack is uh, critical-crafting.com and then you can find us on uh, Patreon as Critical Crafting.
0: And before we close this episode of Making a Monster, I want to ask you to consider supporting me through Patreon. Producing this show takes a lot of time, commitment, and an increasing amount of travel as I interview experts on game design, literature, history, and conservation biology. Just a few bucks a month can help keep this show a part of my professional experience and bring you new stories and insights almost every week. Plus, it comes with fun bonuses like behind the scenes content, snips and clips from my interviews and my own monster design work, the Making a Monster Discord, and stickers! If supporting the show monetarily isn't an option for you, that's fine. Consider following the show on your podcast platform of choice. And if you feel I've earned it, leave me a five star review. It's a small thing, one or two clicks, but it does go a long way to helping people discover the show, and it is a real gift to me and the creators I feature. Stick around for spooktacular monster stories all through the month of October, including more interviews from Gen Con and ghost stories from the IUCN Red List, as the podcast explores the monsters in my upcoming project, Book of Extinction. All the details are on my website at scintilla.studio slash monster. That's S-C-I-N-T-I-L-L-A dot studio slash monster. See you next week.